father we give you praise and we give you glory for another evening your word is spirit and it's life and the words which i speak unto your people today they are spirit and they are life the entrance of your words give it light and it brings understanding to the simple holy spirit open our eyes that we may see wondrous things out of your word fill our hearts with the holy spirit heavenly father may we be full of him may we be full of your love strengthen our hearts to walk in love strengthen our hearts to walk with you and let the joy of salvation never ever ever at any time of our lives depart from us we confess jesus is lord we confess jesus is the son of god we confess jesus is the word of god made flesh we confess jesus is the christ and we believe with all our hearts that these things are so that these things are true and that he died and that he was buried and on the third day by the glory of the father he was raised up again and that he ascended up into heaven and currently sitting at the right hand of the father and making intercession for us and we believe that he will come again jesus will come again the same jesus the apostle saw lifted from the earth into heaven that same jesus he will come again and we believe with all our hearts that he will come again and we live with the urgency of his coming with the expectation of his coming so help us lord so help us holy spirit in jesus name amen and amen, amen. somebody say hallelujah yeah. glory to jesus glory to jesus first john chapter number three let's start from where we stopped from yesterday first john chapter number three first john chapter number three reading from verse one behold what manner of love the father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of god therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. 
and every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure and every man that has hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure that means every man that has the hope of the coming of Jesus will continue to purify himself even as he is pure so yesterday I told you um, that the first thing that we need to know in order for us to live with the urgency of the coming of the Lord is to watch and pray is to watch and pray and I explained what it is and then number two I I spoke about walking in purity and we read the book of first John chapter number three which we have just read again so every man that has the hope of the coming of Jesus every man that has the hope of the hope of being like Jesus will purify himself even as he is pure even as who is pure even as Jesus is pure in other words Jesus Christ is our example of purity the Bible says that he was tempted at all points just as we are and yet without sin so Jesus is our example of purity he's the one we are looking at to purify ourselves verse 3 he says and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure even as he he Jesus is pure every man that has this hope in Jesus will purify himself even as Jesus is pure in other words Jesus is already pure and I'm looking at him as my example of purity I'm looking at Jesus as my example of purity and I'm purifying myself even as Jesus is pure so my goal in the walk of purity is to come to a place in purity that I am pure just as my Lord Jesus is pure that's my goal in purity I want to repeat that my goal in purity is to come to a place where I am pure just as Jesus is pure so every day of my life I'm going to pay attention to my walk of purity every day of my life every single day of my life I'm going to pay attention to the walk of my purity it's a goal it should be the goal of every believer 
Every believer should have this goal, this one single goal. This one goal. To become pure like Jesus is pure. So he says, every man that has this hope in Jesus purifies himself even as Jesus is pure. Then look at verse 4. He continues to exp explain, expound on the subject. He continues to expound on the subject. Verse 4 he says, Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was made manifest to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Then he says, Who, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. You see, I, I used to think otherwise. I used to think that this scripture was, uh, there was a problem with this scripture. I used to think so. How, how possible can you say that a man cannot sin? I used to think that. Now you see, sin is not necessarily a behavior or a character, okay? Sin is not necessarily a behavior or, or a character. Um, sin is first of all a nature it is first of all a nature and everybody who is born into this world is born with that nature of sin inside him and that nature of sin is only taken out of him the day that he comes to faith in Christ Jesus so sin is first of all a nature and then secondly sin is a deed or an act okay so it is first a nature then an act that's what sin is it's first of all a nature then afterwards something you do you see and it is that nature of sin that makes you to sin if the nature of sin is not in you you cannot sin But the nature of sin inside you is what makes you sin. So if the nature of sin is inside you, you automatically will act, think, and do things in sin. Now, this is not the same as behavior. Okay? It's not even the same as temperament or personalities. Okay? It's not the same as that. A behavior is uh, a way of living that has been adopted by the corruption of sin. See, that's what a, a behavior is. It's, it's a habit that has been adopted into the human mind. Okay? A habit is not really in the spirit. A habit is in the mind. You see, when you do something again and again and again and again and again, you train your mind to accept it, to adopt it as the normal way of thinking and living. So habits live in the habits exist in the mind. Addictions also exist in the mind. There is no ad addiction that exists in the spirit. Addictions exist in the mind. You see, when you have done something again and again and again and again, you train your mind to become uh, to adopt it as the normal way of living 
and that's what we call a behavior see that's what a behavior is and so because we lived in sin when we were sinners and constantly walked in sin again and again and again and again a behavior was adopted in our minds you see it a behavior of sin was adopted in our minds and it has become a habit you see it to other people it's even an addiction but it's it's in their mind you see now when you get born again sin as a nature leaves your spirit it goes out of you completely the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin and the word of God the word of the uh, the, the water of the regeneration washes you pure and clean and sin fully leaves your spirit there is no essence of sin in your spirit anymore the moment you are born again but the problem is the problem is because you lived in sin and walked in sin again and again and again and again you created a behavior of sin you see you created a habit of sin in your mind which we call a behavior and that habit that you created from sin is still there in your mind it doesn't go it's a habit sin itself has been removed but the habit is still there in your mind it's a behavior and that's the very reason why the Bible tells us to renew our minds you see that means to replace our thoughts to replace that habit with a different habit and the 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 moment we begin to renew our minds through the Word of God something begins to happen our behavior begins to change God's Word changes that you see it so most believers have a problem with behavior simple behaviors and not sin with, and not sin itself you see it verse 4 and we and you uh, verse 4 whosoever committed sin transgresseth the law for sin is a transgression of the law and we know that he was manifest to take away our sins and in him is no sin now look at verse 6 whosoever abideth in him sinneth not whosoever abideth in him sinneth not not now remember that jesus told us in john st john's gospel chapter number 15 he said i'm the vine my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away or he lifteth up and every branch in me that beareth fruit he prunes that it might bring forth much more fruit and i remember what he said he said abide in me 
Jesus said, Abide in me. For as the branch cannot bear fruit except it abides in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. So we're talking about abiding in Jesus. In other words, having a constant and a permanent, uh, uh, a permanent stay. You see it. A permanent habitation in Jesus. We're talking about abiding in him. He says, if any man abides in him, he cannot sin. You see, so when does someone who calls himself a believer begin to go on and sin? Because there are some believers that not just a behavior there are some believers that don't just have a problem with a behavior they don't just have a problem with 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 the mind they actually sin do you understand there are some people who claim themselves to be believers they call themselves believers and they actually sin they actually sin it's not it's not a problem with a uh, it's not a behavior a behavioral problem it's it's actually sin they actually sin they commit fornication they commit adultery they lie they do all these things it's not a behavior problem actually they sin actually you see it they live against the law of love living against the law of love is sin and living against the law of faith is sin for in the new testament whatsoever is not of faith and not of love is sin you see so there are some people who claim themselves to be christians who actually sin because they are not walking in faith and they're not walking in love they actually sin and they are with us and they are called christians you see when they sin they sin because they want to you see it it's it's not because um, something is pulling them something is, they, they sin because they want to he calls himself a Christian but he really wants to have sex with someone who is not his wife he really wants to do it really wants to do it and the Bible tells us where the problem is Bible tells us what the problem is he says whosoever abideth in him sinneth not you see it whosoever abideth in him sinneth not so where is the problem coming from the problem is coming from not abiding in him you see where the problem is coming from not abiding in him because if you really abide in him you will not sin the bible says he whosoever abideth in him sinneth not and remember it's abideth that means uh, the, uh abideth that's a present continuous tense so you could say whoever continues to abide in him does not sin he does not continue to sin he doesn't sin you see 
so the problem is not abiding in Jesus that's that's the problem when you begin to abide in him when you really and how do we abide in Jesus that is abide in the word when we begin to really take the word of God for what it really says for what it really is and we begin to decide to really abide in what the word of God says we will begin to live without sin it's possible it's possible we'll begin to live without sin you see I understand that there is a stage when we are babies and are ignorant about so many things that are rec recorded in God's Word and therefore we will sin ignorantly you see we will sin ignorantly because we are ignorant of the word and 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 uh, whatever word of God that you are ignorant about you cannot abide in it if you can abide if you will be able to abide in the word you first of all have to must have the knowledge of it if you are ignorant about it you cannot abide in it and so I understand that there are some who they are sincerely ignorant about certain things that are written in the word and therefore because they are ignorant they won't abide in those things and therefore they will continue to live in sin in those areas but the Bible tells us that he that knoweth not to him it shall be forgiven why because he doesn't know because he is ignorant he doesn't know and so God will forgive him then he continues to say he that knoweth and continues to sin to let's read that let's read that the verse number 17 the book of James chapter number 4 and the verse number 17 look at what the word says very wonderful therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin did you see that you see that therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin It's really a sin if you know to do it and you don't do it then it becomes a sin unto you you see so I understand that there are babies among us who 
at a particular point at that level of their spiritual life they will be ignorant about so many things that the word of God says and therefore uh, because of their ignorance they will not be able to abide um, they won't be able to abide in that word because they are ignorant about it and therefore they will sin I understand that but God will forgive their sin because they don't know but you get to a level where you know that what you are doing is a sin you know it the word has been taught you has been preached to you you've read it in your bible you've heard it from a minister of god preaching to you you've you've been taught it by several servants of god and you go on and do it now you're no longer doing doing it in ignorance you you have knowledge about the word and yet you are going against the word you see it now the very moment you become the very moment the knowledge of god's word is imparted to you there is only one expectation god has toward you and that expectation is that you should abide in the knowledge of the truth which has been revealed to you whether that revelation came to you while you were studying your bible or that revelation came to you while a minister of god preached to you or taught you the moment the revelation of the truth of god's word is uh, comes to you god expects you to abide in it to live in it and from that moment whenever you act against it you act against god so whosoever abideth in him first john 3 whosoever abideth in him verse 6 sinneth not so those who are sinning are those who are not abiding in him you see it they are those who are abiding in him are not abiding in him whosoever sinneth has not seen him neither knoweth him little children let no man deceive you he that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he jesus is righteous he that committed sin is of the devil for the devil sinned from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil so god wants us to live in purity god wants us to be pure and he wants us to be pure just as jesus is pure he wants us to be pure just as jesus is pure and then in the book of matthew chapter number five we affirmed this walk of purity even the more the book of Matthew chapter number 5 and the verse 8 we affirmed this walk of purity even more when the Bible says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God so there is a state that 
God wants our heart to be in. As we are expecting the coming of Jesus, as we are expecting uh, the return of Jesus, there is a state God wants our heart to be in. And if our heart is not, if our hearts are not in this, are not in that state, we won't be able to live with the urgency of his coming. You see, it will mean nothing to us. The second coming of Jesus will mean nothing to us. Look at, look at uh, those brothers who are living in sin, wallowing in sin. Or look at those men who are living in sin at their normal life, living with the world and enjoying the world. How meaningful is the coming of Jesus to them? The answer is not at all. The coming of Jesus doesn't mean anything at all to them. It doesn't mean anything at all to them. Why? Because they are not living in purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. So there is a state, I said, God wants our heart to be in. And that is the state of purity. God wants our hearts to be in a state, in the state of purity. And everybody, every believer, every Christian uh, must make it his goal to keep his heart in this state of purity. Because it is important. It is important. Let me explain a little further on that. Open to the book of sound. The book of sound, chapter number 51. Psalm 51. Look at the verse number 6. Look at verse 6. Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Look at what he says. Thou desirest truth in the inward part. God desires truth in the inward part. God desires truth. Now, if God desires truth in the inward part, that should quickly tell us something. It should quickly tell us something. If truth can dwell in our inward parts, then it also means that a lie, a deception, can also dwell in our inward parts.
thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. If truth can, can, can dwell in, in your inward parts, that's it's talking about your spirit, your heart. If truth can dwell in your heart, a lie can also dwell in your heart. A deception can also dwell in your heart. But what is God's desire concerning your, your heart? Concerning your spirit? What is God's desire? God's desire concerning your heart and concerning your spirit is that only truth should live there. Only truth. Nothing more, nothing less. That's God's desire. That's God's desire. to live in your heart you see and many of us have lived in falsehood we have lied to so many people deceived so many people and that's against God's desire concerning your heart and concerning your spirit it's against God's desire God wants your heart to be pure. Pure from lies. Pure from deceptions. Pure from falsehood. He wants your heart to be really pure. Behold thou desirest truth in the inward part. And in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Okay. Same chapter. Same chapter. Look at verse 17. Let me start from verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. Look at it. For thou desirest not sacrifice. Uh, what is sacrifice in this context? Well, uh, in those days, you know, they, 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 According to the tradition of the, of the law, um, they brought animals and sacrificed animals in the temple. Remember that. They would bring sheep, they would bring turtle doves, they would bring oxen, they would bring all kinds of animals and then sacrifice those animals. So they used animals as offerings. They sacrificed animals as offerings. The psalmist says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. David said, I really have the offering. I have the money. I have the material. If, 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 if God was truly desiring sacrifices, David said, then I would give it. But God doesn't desire sacrifice. Okay, so what does God desire? Verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not, wilt, wilt not despise. Look at the sacrifices of God. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. You see, so David said, you are not, sir. So the, uh, okay, let me, let me explain it this way to you. There are two sacrifices, two kinds of sacrifices material sacrifice and the sacrifice of your heart which he calls 
a broken and a contrite heart. That's the sacrifice of your heart. And that's the sacrifice of God. Now David is saying, you don't want material sacrifice. If you want a material sacrifice, I would give it to you. Now, he is not saying that God doesn't want us to bring him our offerings or our material possessions. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. We've seen it several times, even in the, even, even in the Bible, uh, in the Leviticus, how that God demanded certain sacrifices to be brought to him, right? So we've seen it. And we've seen the Bible on several occasions when men sacrificed material things to God. So he's not saying that we shouldn't give to God. We shouldn't give an offering to God. We shouldn't sacrifice anything material to God. That's not what he's saying at all. But he's saying that there is a sacrifice that God seeks. And that sacrifice precedes material sacrifice. In other words, if you give material sacrifice without that sacrifice which God truly demands, then your material sacrifice is in vain. It's foolishness before God. That's what he's saying, really. The sacrifice of God is a broken heart. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. You see it? So this is God's sacrifice. And God wants this sacrifice before material sacrifice. So if I would give anything material to God, to the church, God wants me to make sure that I have already first of all offered the sacrifice of my heart in other words god wants me to make sure that any material sacrifice that i sacrifice to him i should sacrifice that material sacrifice upon the sacrifice of my heart in other words my heart should be broken my heart should be contrite first before i ever give any offering before I ever give any sacrifice. If I give a sacrifice to God and my heart is not broken, that sacrifice is in vain. It's foolishness. So you think about it. How many sacrifices, how many offerings, how many material things you've given to God, you've given a church, that meant nothing to God. Absolutely nothing to God because the sacrifice of your heart had not yet been offered. In other words, you offered those material offerings and sacrifices and yet your heart wasn't really broken before God. Wasn't really broken before God. Now, what does it mean for your heart to be broken before God? Because he's talking about breaking your heart. He's talking about um, a contrite spirit. And he's talking about that to be the sacrifice of God. He's saying that that sacrifice should precede all sacrifice. It should precede all offerings. 
What, what does it mean? What does it mean? Okay, let me show you what it means. In the book of Joel. The book of Joel, chapter number 2. Let me show you what that means. If you're in Joel, can you let me know that you are in Joel? Praise God. Joel 2. Reading from the verse number... 12 we're reading 12 and 13 verses 12 and 13 Joel 2 look at what it says therefore also now said the Lord turn ye even unto me with all your heart look at that he didn't say turn ye unto me with all your offerings he didn't say turn you unto me with all your sacrifices, your material sacrifices. That's not what he said. He said, turn ye unto me with all your heart. All your heart. Not a part of your heart. All your heart. Every bit of your heart. The secret chambers, the outer chambers of your heart. Turn unto me with all your heart. And with fastings and with weeping and with mourning look at verse 13 and rend your heart and not your garments did you see that rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and of a great kindness and repented him of the evil so we're talking about uh, what it means to have a broken heart. Now in verse 13, he says, rend your heart. In other words, break your heart. Break your heart and not your garment. And he explains what it means to break your heart. He says, turn unto the Lord your God. Turn unto the Lord your God. That is repentance. Turning to God is repentance. Repentance means to make a U-turn. To turn from whatever is stealing you from God and turn toward God. That's what, that's what repentance means. Repentance means you turn toward God's word. You turn toward the Holy Spirit. So he says, rend your heart and not your garments and turn ye unto me. And turn ye unto me. So really, a broken heart, a contrite spirit, really is a heart that is living in repentance you see is a heart that is living in repentance living in repentance it's a heart that has been turned toward god that heart has been turned from the schemes of men 
it has been turned from 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 the schemes of the world and it has been turned onto God that's a broken heart a broken heart is a heart that has been turned onto God it has been turned from lies turned from fornication turned from adultery Turn from iniquity David said if I hide iniquity in my heart if I pray God will not hear it has been turned from iniquity and has been turned to God that's a contrite heart that's a broken heart a broken heart is that heart that has been taken from all kinds of things that defiles it that destroys it that breaks the fellowship with God and given back to God your heart belongs to God it belongs to God your heart doesn't belong to a man it doesn't belong to a scheme it doesn't belong to the schemes of the world it belongs to God and a broken heart really is a heart that has returned to God has returned to the Word of God to live in God's Word to live in God's instructions to live in God's righteousness that's what a broken heart is and this is the sacrifice of God so you see a broken heart is a pure heart and that's the heart that will see God and that's the heart that can live with the urgency of the Lord's coming that's the heart that will see Jesus when he appears in his glory a broken heart an unrepented heart will not see Jesus an unrepented heart will not see the Lord an unrepented heart will miss the coming of the Lord an unrepented heart will only wake up to see the Lord has come upon him like a thief in the night but the heart that is living in the premises of repentance will never be caught by surprise at the coming of Jesus no no because that heart has already been turned to him that heart is already living in God's service you see my heart is living in God's service my heart is living in the service of God's Word my heart yearns seeks for only one thing to please God to please the Word to live in the Word to walk in the Word that's the desire of my heart I have cleansed my heart from all the Bible says sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart and be ready to answer every man that asks uh, that asks you a question concerning the faith sanctify the lord god in your heart so i i sanctify jesus in my heart you know where all sins dwell the root of all sins the root of all sins is in your heart the root of all sins fornication adultery lies covetousness selfishness murders killings the root of all heart is in the heart the, the root of all sins sorry is in the heart the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked above all so you see where wickedness is is in man's heart so you find yourself watching porn 
masturbating, fornicating, lying, hating a brother or a sister, a mother or a father, living in bitterness and unforgiveness. You find yourself living in lies, deceptions. These are all problems in your heart. You see it? These are all problems in your heart. And you need to deal with it. You need to take your heart from all these things and give it back to God. That's what it means to have a broken heart. You take your heart from lies, deceptions, porn, masturbation, fornication, and all kinds of things that uh, are sinful. And you give it back to God. You say, God, my heart belongs to you. You say, Lord, my heart belongs to you and you alone. Take my heart. You purify your heart from all of these things. If there is bitterness in your heart, unforgiveness in your heart against a brother or a sister, in prayer, Jesus says we should forgive. So, you purify your heart from that bitterness. You make sure your heart is clean from bitterness. And afterward, you keep your heart clean from bitterness. And sometimes it will be good to call that brother and that sister and tell him, brother and si brother, sister, you know what? You did this to me or this event that took place. You remember? I didn't forgive you. I really kept the bitterness in my heart. And I have asked God to forgive me. And I want to tell you that I kept bitterness against you. And I'm sorry. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The book of James. The fervent, the earnest, fervent prayer of the righteous man availed much. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That doesn't mean that if I have committed a particular sin, I go about confessing to everybody. No, that's not what it means. But there is a particular sin in my heart that is relative to a brother, relative to a, a, a sister. Maybe it's a lie that I have kept, a truth I have kept from that brother and from that sister. Maybe it's bitterness. Something I have kept against that brother or that sister. I go to him. I tell him, brother and sister, I have sinned against you. Remember this event, that event, I didn't forgive you. I kept the bitterness in my heart and I'm sorry. Make sure your heart is clean. Clean. You see, you've been living in lies and deception, lying all this while, just to lift your business up. Just to get customers. That's a problem. It's really a problem. Why should you lie and live in deception to boost your business? Why? It's sinners that live that way. A believer doesn't live that way. The moment you begin to live that way, you are trying to say you don't trust God to lift you and exalt you while you walk in truth. That's what it means. 
You don't trust God. You have broken faith. The believer shouldn't do these things. We don't 419 people. We don't lie about things just to get customers. No. We don't do that. We don't do that. Cleanse your heart from every lie. Cleanse your heart from every deception. Cleanse your heart. Let your heart become pure from all these things. You've been living in fornication all this while. You know, for example, if you watch pornography, you know what really happens to you? Because you see, information is passed on into your heart through your senses. In other words, what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, what you feel, all of these passes an information from this world into your heart. And when that information gets into your heart, it may destroy, corrupt your heart or purify your heart. Jesus said, it is not what um, uh, a man takes into him that destroys him, but what comes out of a man, that's what destroys him. But it really is the same thing going inside you that is coming outside you. You see it. But while it's going inside you, it won't defile you. But when it begins to come outside you, it will defile you. And the thing is, what is going inside you will come outside you and defile you. The same thing going inside you will come out of you and defile you. So simple put, don't let it go inside you. Because if it goes inside you, it will come outside you and defile you. That's how it works. It's as simple as that. Don't let it go inside you. So for example, you are so attached to watching porn. You are passing images that seduces to fornication, adultery, to uncleanliness. You are passing these images into your heart. What do you think is going to happen to your heart? You will begin to act these images out. There's no two ways about it. If it goes inside you, it will come out. It, it will come outside you. If you eat food, it will come out of you. Whatever goes inside you comes out of you. So you can't tell me, oh, I just watched. Nothing will happen to me because I'm not practicing. It's, it's a lie. If it goes inside you, it will come outside you. So prevent it from going inside you and it will not come outside you to defile you. A lot of cleansing has to be done in your heart. A lot of cleansing. You must completely take your heart from whatever defiles it and give your heart back to God. When you do this, you will be able to purify your heart. And you cannot do this by your own strength or by your own will. This can only happen by the help of the Holy Spirit. That's how it will happen, by the help of the Holy Spirit. So you don't trust in your own strength or in your own ability to do this. But you trust the ability of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You trust in His ability to purify your heart. You see it. 
in your prayer you can pray something like this and say Lord I trust in your ability to purify my heart of my own will of my own ability I cannot of my own strength I cannot but with your ability in me I can with your ability in me I can so Lord through your ability let my heart be purified my, my heart from sin I take my heart from, from fornication I take my heart from lies I take my heart from everything that defiles my heart now you know what is defiling you better I don't know you know you know the besetting sins that you are faced with your life in your life you know it better I don't know you're living your own life and I'm living my own life so I know those things I'm struggling with and you know those things you're struggling with and the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that we should lay aside every besetting sin you see look at Hebrews 12 it's so clear it's it's so plain oh my god it's so plain the word is so plain look at it Hebrews 12 verse 1 wherefore singing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight there are things that weigh your spiritual life down weigh your, your there are things that are weight heavy weight he says put it away lay aside every weight those things that weigh you so much you can't read your bible you cannot pray you cannot go to church you cannot stay in fellowship with god those things that weigh you so much he says put them aside the time is short the time is so short no time to play the bible says woe to those who are at ease in zion woe to them woe to those who are at ease in zion so you you are now going to uh, uh, begin you, you're not going to search out through your heart you know and sometimes there are sins in your heart that you don't even know of they are called secret sins you don't even know of and they are stopping something inside you so you pray the prayer of David search my heart oh God if there be any iniquity bring it out if there is anything I need to repent of that that in my mind I don't know of bring it up now when you begin to pray this prayer for the Holy Ghost to search your heart and to bring up those things that you need to repent of you need to turn away from it won't it, it, it won't be long maybe in, in 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 the prayer maybe the following day maybe maybe in that same week as you continue to pray this prayer something will begin to happen the holy spirit will begin to pull out those things that you need to really repent from and he'll show it to your face he'll bring it to you he'll bring it to you and when he brings them to you change your mind from them turn away from them repent from them see it let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us besetting sins 
most of you can agree with me that there are so many sins that are not present in your life you you are, th there are so many sins that you know and that could be self-righteousness you know that oh i don't sin i don't do this i don't do this i don't do this i don't do this but while you're telling me that i don't do this i don't do this i don't do this i don't do this you will also agree with me that there is one particular sin that whenever it strikes you are unable to deal from you are, you are unable to deal with it there is that one particular sin that whenever it strikes you are in, unable to resist it statistically to most people it's porn and fornication when it strikes they can't deal with it they, they just fall into it when it strikes they just fall into it statistically that statistics i'm just speaking statistically but you know those sins that easily beset you and the bible says the time is short and the cloud of witnesses are, are watching us they are looking at us diligently waiting for us to run our race and so therefore we should lay aside every sin that easily beset us you see it so you you'd have to begin to do the research in your heart begin to find out what sin easily besets you and do what paul says you should do lay them aside put them aside and begin to walk in purity and run your race with patience the race that is set before you So you see how great a message it is purity purity walking in purity walking in purity let me see if i can start if i can start talking to you about the third way to live with the urgency of the lord's coming And wherever I uh, wherever I, I, I get before it almost hit six o'clock, I'll stop and continue tomorrow. How can I live with the urgency of the Lord's coming? Number one, I've told you, watch, watch, become vigilant, be on guard for your own spiritual life. Number two, I've told you walk in purity and now number three to walk in love look at first thessalonians chapter five from verse one look at this but of the times and the seasons brethren ye have no need that i should write that i write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a, as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in the darkness, that the day of the Lord should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day we are not of the of the of the night nor of the darkness therefore let us not sleep notice that 
let us not sleep as do others so others are sleeping but it says we shouldn't sleep okay but let us watch and be sober for they that sleep sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night but let us who are of the day be sober putting look at this let us who are of the day be sober so he's showing you how to watch how to prepare how to live in expectation of the lord's coming he says let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love we're talking about walking in faith and love now the bible says faith worked by love faith works by love what did jesus tell us about love he said love one another even as i have loved you this is a great way that you can live in expectation of the lord's coming live in love toward the brethren live in love toward the brothers and the sisters let the pain others go through be your pain you see it let the sorrow others go through be your sorrow don't behave as if you don't care that's not love love cares it cares for one another you should care for the brethren care for that brother in christ care for that sister in christ you see sometimes a brother or a sister in christ may even have a character a behavior that is so notorious you see it he may have a character or a behavior that is so annoying but that behavior and that character does not exempt him from love nobody is exempted from love not even the sinner is exempted from love look at what the bible tells us the bible tells us that while we were yet sinners you see it we were not righteous men we hadn't even repented while we were yet sinners god demonstrated his love toward us he demonstrated love toward us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us so don't tell me that brother or that sister is so annoying that you cannot extend an arm of love toward him or toward her don't tell me that don't tell me that they may have a problem with the way they speak and the way they act toward you and toward other people but it doesn't exempt them from love should you walk in wisdom toward them yes you should walk in wisdom toward them but you don't walk in hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness toward them you walk in love toward them the bible says love will cover multitude of sins let your love cover their sins let your love cover their faults 
let your love cover their mistakes. Let your love cover their bad behaviors, their bad manners. Let your love cover them. Do you know there are so many people who have wronged me? At, you see, and as a pastor, I I am always somebody one way or the other is offending me. You see it? As a pastor, as a man of God, someone one way or the other always is offending me. Stepping on my toe. I've had lots of disrespect come from people who should honor me. You see it? Come from so many people. But the word of God teaches me that in all of this, I must not break my walk in love. I must not. I must not. You see it. I must not. I remember a sister who really troubled me, really offended me, and my heart was really bitter. I was really hurt. I was really hurt because my name was being destroyed in many places. You see, and my heart was, was bitter. Now, that sister wasn't right for whatever she was doing but i wasn't right either for being bitter against her god's word never teaches me that so i wasn't right either my heart was so much filled with pain i had to go into a three days dry fasting because the extent at which my name was being spoiled was too much was broken I had to go into a dry fasting and pray later on I asked God to forgive me of the bitterness I kept in my heart you see it they may have wronged you but wronging you doesn't mean that you should also sin no keep your heart pure keep your heart holy walk in love always even toward those who hate you and who will do you harm even toward those who don't respect you walk in love always love is the perfect law remember this love is always the perfect law it's the perfect law of liberty It's the perfect law and the man who walks in love no law can can hold against him no law because love is the perfect law 
And I have asked the Lord on several occasions to cleanse my heart from bitterness and unforgiveness, and He did. And I'm striving every day to work in love toward everybody, toward my leaders, toward my colleagues, and toward sons and daughters. Because it is entirely necessary for me to walk in love, to prove myself, to really be a believer. Jesus said, by this, all men shall know that you are my disciples when you love one another. You see it? So by the work of love, I prove myself to really be a disciple of Jesus. But if I walk outside of love, if I walk without love, I disapprove myself of being a disciple of Jesus. So it doesn't matter what anybody will do against me. A bad character that they may bring forth toward me, whatever, critics, offenses, whatever, I must approve myself to really be a disciple of God, of Christ Jesus, by extending love toward them. Love is the perfect law. So I tell you, walk in love. Walk in love. I'll continue tomorrow. Lift your voice and begin to pray. Give God praise. Give God glory, everybody.